mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Today's episode has been sponsored by Jay McLaughlin. Jay McLaughlin is a timeless lifestyle brand with incredible style and a spirit of connection. I am obsessed with Jay McLaughlin and have been so honored that they are sponsoring my Zibiverse tour. It just so happens that the tour goes to so many communities and areas of the country that have Jay McLaughlin stores. And I love that the brand is philanthropic through Jay McLaughlin's local and loyal programming host store events to give back to organizations that are meaningful to Jay McLaughlin's local communities. I also love the fact that the clothes are just so chic. They make me feel polished and modern. And the best part is that most of the line comes in fabrics that don't wrinkle. I especially love the dresses, the cashmere sweaters, the other sweaters. You'll see them all over my Instagram. I typically tag at Jay McLaughlin. And so you can check it out. It is absolutely one of my favorite brands and I am over the moon excited to be working with them. In fact, I want to share the love with all of you. Jay McLaughlin is giving 20% off new customers and listeners of my podcast with special code ZIBBY20, capital Z-I-B-B-Y 20. That's 20% off for new customers and listeners of the podcast with special code capital Z Zibby 20. Take advantage of it today. My favorites are this white open long cashmere sweater that I've been wearing on every flight that I've taken on this tour. I have a blue with light blue horizontal striped sweater, several dresses I even wore on Morning America. Check it out. Jay McLaughlin. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com. And definitely check out those shows as well. Jessica Knoll is the author of Luckiest Girl Alive, a novel. She is the New York Times bestselling author also of 
Luckiest Girl Alive, as I said, and The Favorite Sister, with her books having been published in over 40 languages. Luckiest Girl Alive was a huge runway hit and the best-selling debut novel of 2015, with Jessica going on to adapt and executive produce the film for Netflix, starring Mila Kunis, which is now a number one Netflix film. As the sole writer on the film adaptation, a feat that is almost unheard of even for the most seasoned of screenwriters, Jessica was able to maintain creative ownership of the story with deep personal ties, which we discuss. Jessica is currently in the process of adapting The Favorite Sister with Bruna Papandrea's made-up stories for TV and also recently announced that she's adapting the Reddit short story, I Think My Mother-in-Law is Trying to Kill Me, for Sony, which we also talk about. In 2019, she sold her original script, Till Death, which made The Blacklist, to Amazon, making it the first ever original script purchased by the streamer. She was named one of the 10 screenwriters to watch in 2022 by Variety. Prior to writing full-time, Jessica worked at Paradigm Talent Agency before joining the editorial staffs at Cosmopolitan and Self. Jessica lives in Los Angeles with her husband and bulldog Beatrice. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Luckiest Girl Alive, which is now a Netflix, not just Netflix show, but like number one Netflix show, which is amazing. So welcome. Thank you so much. (laughs) So exciting. Okay. Well, you have two books. You have an adaptation. You've spent years writing this from book to screen. Where do we even start? I'm so excited for you. So let's start with Luckiest Girl Alive. writing it and what this whole adaptation has been like for you. Yeah. Just go go start there. (laughs) So I started writing Luckiest Girl Alive at my kitchen table in my, when I lived in New York City, my little apartment at like six in the morning before I went into work. I was an editor and a writer at Cosmopolitan Magazine. And in, I mean, this was like probably 2013. And in magazine world, you don't have to like be in the office until like 9 30, 10. So I used to use that morning time to like go to a workout class. And when I finally decided, like it, I, you know, when when the voice of the character Ani Finelli finally kind of came to me and things started coalescing, I realized that I was freshest in the morning. Mm-hmm. And because I was spending all day like writing and pitching ideas. And like, it, it was already a very creative use of my time throughout the day. And by the time I got home, I was just like, I'm shot. Like there's nothing good left in me. So I started just waking up early and getting like an hour or two at my kitchen table. And it was just a really like magical year that I wrote that book. It felt like the story just poured out of me. I felt so like personally and creatively fulfilled writing this book. And then the reception of like how it was published and how excited Simon & Schuster was about it and how readers responded to it. Like it really was like a fairy tale for me. Yeah. And then the adapting it, not so much of a fairy tale (laughs) because it took so long and it was so hard. And there were so many points where I never thought it would move forward. And I even have moments now that I can't believe it was finally made into a movie and that that even happened because I just saw being on set how much money, how much work, how much labor, how much has to come together in order for anything to make it to the screen. And 
I just feel like really weirdly humbled by the whole experience. Like, oh my God, one of my things, like people cared enough to come together and make this into the movie that it is today. So yeah, it's been a long journey. (laughs) How did you even know how to go about adapting? Right. I, I can see more of a jump, not that it's so easy to even write a novel. Maybe I should have started there. Like being an editor to writing a yeah. novel is another huge jump. Yeah, it is a jump, but you're right. It's a, it's like a hop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. And that's not to like undervalue myself or anyone else who does it. But in the magazine world, it was fairly commonplace that editors and writers had book deals and had these kind of separate lives publishing books. So part of why I say that was just a hop was I was in an office every day surrounded my boss at the time, John Searles, who's a novelist. Oh yeah, I love him. Editor, the editor-in-chief of the magazine at the time I was there, uh, Kate White, also a novelist. Yep. So I had people that I could look to and be like, oh, they've done it. And I could be like, how did you do it? You know, so it just felt less kind of mysterious and like something that I could actually do, you know, which I think I really truly don't know how anyone does that, does it alone in a vacuum, like without like kind of talking to anyone who's like gone through the experience before. That to me is like, that's brave. You know, I really had a lot of people around me who were encouraging me and who were role models to me. The adaptation part was much more of a a jump. And when I look back now, I think what was most influential to me, because the book was optioned in spring of 2015. And I was really, really dogged about being the one to adapt it myself. And I think where my kind of role model was in all of that, not that I even know her or have ever even met her, but Gone Girl was such a phenomenon And then all the news was that like Gillian Flynn was adapting it with David Fincher. And I always saw Gillian Flynn where I was like, she started a magazine. She was, you know, an editor at Entertainment Weekly. Then she started writing books. Now she's written this massively successful and one of my favorite books of all time, Gone Girl. And she's never written anything for the screen, but she's going to adapt it herself. So I think I saw that and I was like, wait, I want that too. Mm -hmm. And that really, that really made me feel like it was possible and that a studio would agree to it because there was such a, a big example of it out there. It was still pretty difficult to get them to agree to it. And then of course I had to like prove myself once they did. Then I actually Uh, had to write it. (laughs) And then I had to actually write it. But writing a script is much more collaborative than writing a book. It almost reminds me of writing for magazines in that your producers and the executives at whatever studio or streamer you're at almost act as like your top editors. Like you're constantly turning in drafts and they're like, okay, this is working. This isn't working. And you get these like massive notes documents. So that's like, doesn't really happen in books. Like, yeah, you have your editor, but like, they will be like, this isn't working. And then you have to kind of go figure it out. And it's just kind of that one person. So I don't know. You always hear film is really collaborative. Like it's so true. And there's so many people weighing in at every turn and helping you shape it and craft it that you're kind of like, even 
even people who that's what they do for a living, they're seasoned screenwriters, they're still dealing with that. So I was like, oh, if you're getting this kind of, if you're getting someone who's like kind of helping you shape it from the side, like that I can handle, you know, you don't have to just like sit in a room and do this by yourself and like pray that it works. Like you are really getting feedback along the way. Wow. And I heard there, I read that you interviewed what, like 150 or auditioned 150 people to play the role. Is that true? Something like that? So for the, for Mila, Mila Kunis plays the main character as an adult. And then for the scenes where she's in high school, the casting director told us that over 1500 girls, 1500, oh my gosh, submitted tapes for the role, which then they narrowed it down, I think to like their top 10, which we as all the producers and the director and Netflix watched. And we were all like, it has to be Chiara Aurelia. Like she was, you know, far and away, like our young Tiffany Finelli. And she's so amazing in the movie and such an amazing young woman. Like I'm so impressed by her. She's so young and so poised. And I just think she has like such an exciting career ahead of her. So it's great to discover new talent. Yeah, exactly. And you have been really open about your own personal experience as it relates to this book and the plot of the book and what happened to you when you were younger. Can you talk about that a little? Yeah. So the book is fiction and, you know, in, it took probably, so the book came out in 2015. It was fiction. People in my life knew the real story like my husband and close friends, family, obviously, because they were there during it. But publicly, even with my publisher and at book events, you know, women would come up to me and ask, you know, are, you know, have you experienced sexual assault? Because the way it's depicted in the book feels so realistic, you mm-hmm. know, and and I can say that because I've experienced it and I've never really read anything where I've just I, I believe it, you know, like, I'm like, this feels so representative of what I experienced and what I went through. And I never knew how to answer that in that first year, the book came out. I I felt so awkward about being like, um, yes, I don't know. Like I, I just, it, it was like this, this natural response was to, it just felt uncomfortable and I didn't want to like make myself uncomfortable. I didn't want to make anyone else uncomfortable. So I was just like, Oh no, it's just fiction. And then a year after the book came out, we were reissuing it as a paperback. And so I had a meeting at Simon and Schuster and we were talking about ways to launch the paperback. I was going to do another book tour. And I said at that meeting, I was like, well, what if I wrote something about, you know, my own experience, you know, very similar to what the character goes through. And I remember everyone at Simon and Schuster, they were just like gobsmacked. They were like, wait, we had no, I like, this is based on like real events. And I was like, yeah. And I felt so uncomfortable. I was like blushing. Oh, I was like, no. oh, sorry. Like, this is so awkward. And they were like, yes, you have to write that. Like, if you're comfortable enough to write about that, like, like, please, like, that's like, it's amazing that you told us this. And so I went home and at the time, Lenny Letter was a website, a newsletter that Lena Dunham had started and Jenny Connor. And um, 
I knew the editor of it, a woman named Jessica Gross, because we had just like crossed paths in the magazine world over the years. And I think they had featured Luckiest Girl Alive as like, you know, a, you know, a book like that they had loved, mm-hmm. you know, that people should read. And so she, Jess had always said, if you want to write something for us, you know, email me. And so I went home and I emailed her that day and she wrote back within minutes and was like, I just read this to Jenny and Lena and I'm 100% like, we're honored. You want to like publish this essay. So the essay is called What I Know. And it it talks about the, the dedication of my book, Luckiest Girl Alive. It just says to all the Tiffany Fidelis of the world, I know. And people would often ask me what that meant. Like, what do I know? And so the essay is all about and it lives on my website now because Lenny Letter is defunct. But if you are interested in reading it, you can just go to my website to read it. But yeah, and that's how that all came about. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And how do you feel having it all out there? Right. Like it, it, there's, it's one thing to say into a room yeah. of executives. Right. But then like knowing that something you kept so private is so public. Like, yeah. do you feel, do you feel it's allowed you to process what happened in your own sort of sexual experience any more? And like, has it been somewhat yeah. therapeutic? Do you have any regrets about being open about no, it? No, I have no regrets. It was absolutely a necessary part of the process. It was very validating to tell my story in that essay. And, you know, the day it came out, I remember I woke up and I was actually, so many people called me brave the day the essay came out, but I need people to understand that like, I only was able to write that essay because of the year I spent with the book being out, talking to women who read the scene, the sexual assault scene in the book, and called it rape. Because when I was in high school, it was the narrative was it was a party that got out of control. And I was a slut who had participated in the events. So just by nature of 
capturing what had happened at that party verbatim and then having people read that and say to me like, oh, the rape scene or whatever. I'm like, you don't know what you're giving me. Like you're giving me, you're like telling me you believe me, you know, which like no one gave that to me when I was young. So I got that. So for like a year, my confidence was like built up by those conversations with readers. And then by the time I wrote my essay, I actually felt excited and ready. Like I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready to set the narrative straight. And I know I'm going to get support because the readers have proven to me that like they believe me and they're going to stand by me when I tell this story. So I remember waking up that morning, it came out. I woke up super early and I rolled over and I opened Twitter. I'm not on Twitter anymore, but I was (laughs) at the time. And I remember a writer that I really admire, a woman named Sarah Weinman had tweeted, if you read one thing this morning, let it be Jess Kendall's essay in Lenny Letter. And it just set the course for the rest of the day. And like, I went on the Today, like I got call, a call from the Today Show that day being like, will you come down here? And like, and that's why we have in the movie, she goes, to the, her essay takes off and she goes to the Today Show. That's exactly what happened to me. It was absolutely healing to have the world respond to my story in kind to hear from people I went to high school with saying, you know, I'm so sorry. I didn't see it like that back then. And if there's anything I did that contributed to kind of the bullying and the shaming that happened, like, I'm so sorry. And yeah, it like, it was a real necessary part of the process. And I think a lot of women who experience sexual assault, they don't get, we never get that moment because so much of the experience is people like kind of trying to talk, gaslight you and talk you out of it, you know, like, oh no, I mean, I'm sure he didn't mean it like that. Or he had been drinking too. Or it's like, you never get that moment where people are like, I hear you. I see you. Your pain is valid. And like, I share in that with you. Like so many women don't get that at the time. And to even get it 17 years later, so many people don't even get that. So it was hugely healing. Oh my gosh. Just the fact that the readers, right? Like people feel like reading a book is an intake only, but actually it's an output as well. There is a relationship that you don't even see necessarily with the author, but the reaction and how, what you get out of it and then what you transform. I mean, it's amazing, right? It's like, I love that you said that, that I, Cheryl Strayed said that to me once too. She said the writing is, it's a like, you know, for her wild people, for her that, for a lot of people, that was a gift about grief Mm -hmm. and, you know, and a way of talking and thinking and processing grief that a lot of people didn't have before they read wild. And Cheryl said something very, I love that you said that because I've, that's the second time I've heard it. And I think it's so true that you give people something in the writing and then they give you something back, you know? And so there's this, there's this exchange that happens. That's just a really beautiful thing. Yes. Wow. That's amazing. For people who haven't read it or seen the Netflix version yet, can you just in a couple, like a sentence or two, explain yeah. what, what, it, what, the, or, well, what it's about, but also the sexual assault you were talking about, which I yeah. know I've researched, but you know. Yeah. So the, the story centers 
Lucky's Girl Life centers on Ani Finelli. And when you meet her, she seems to have it all. She's got the great job. She's living in New York City. She's planning her wedding to a guy who's from, you know, a very well-to-do family. And she's like on the precipice of really having it all. And she's visited by a documentary film director who wants to make a film, tell a story about a very shocking incident from her past and has asked, it has invited her to participate in it and talk about what happened to her. And so it's really this moment where it's like, do I move ahead with my life? Do I get married? Do I bury that? Do I change my name? Do I become someone completely different? Do I put all of that in the past? Or do I go back there and finally deal with this? Because I've spent my life and the character spent her life trying to run from it and hide from it and reinvent and all of these things, which you can't, you can try, but you can't outrun it. You have to, at some point, turn around and face it. And so what comes out in, she agrees to do the documentary and what comes out in the process of filming is that when she was in high school, she attended a party where three boys, three classmates, one of whom she had a crush on and wanted to date, assault her. And it's in the book, it's exactly how it happened to me. The movie's slightly different, but yeah. And she's had a lot of alcohol and she keeps kind of coming to in various situations. She comes to for each assault. Um, And the assault escalates and it it gets more and more violent as the night goes on. And then she wakes up in the morning and everyone is like acting like it was just a crazy party and she's a crazy party animal. And oh my God, like what a night that one goes down in the books. And she's just lying there like something horrible happened to me last night. I've been violated and she tries to speak up about it. And she's just silenced at every turn. And so what she takes from that is people don't believe me. People don't want to hear about my pain. So you know what? I'm just going to shut up and focus on chiseling my way out of here. And then I'm going to prove to everyone that I'm someone important. I'm someone respectable. And that really informs a lot of the choices she makes as an adult. And And for me too, that's kind of how I live my life before... I started therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe stay out of therapy so you can just like keep writing these amazing things about it. I mean, like, well, I have to say, I am so sorry that you went through that in your life and it is horrific and it's just terrible. But the way that you've shared it, even in fiction and through all of the things you're doing is, is so amazing. And as you've seen, like helping so many people. So yeah, that is not, that is not an easy, easy task. And I, uh, sorry, I, to keep going into this, but the guy is involved. What has happened there since this has come out? Anything? Really nothing. You know, when the essay came out, there was some kind of scuttlebutt at the school, you know, the headmaster, you know, kind of wrote like a school-wide email kind of acknowledging the event. I did know that at the time, you know, and saying that, you know, of course they were devastated to to learn about it and they had no idea about it at the time. And then I did hear that someone had written in had written the headmaster and I guess they CC'd my lit agent so that it would get back to me 
it was someone who went to my high school, but was a couple of years older than me. So we were never even at the high school at the same time. But I guess he was in college at the time that that the assault happened. And I guess even he had heard about it. Mm. And so he was kind of accusing the administration of like, come on, there's no way you didn't get wind of this. Like I heard about it and, you know, I'm hundreds of miles away, wherever he was in college and not even, you know, a couple of years older than these kids. And I still heard about it. And yeah, I've not seen, you know, my, you know, my parents left that area of Philadelphia when I was in college. So that's not even home. I don't go back there anymore. I live in LA before that I lived in New York. So I haven't had any, I haven't had any communication with, with them, which is fine. You know, I don't need it. I really, it's weird. Like, I think people always want to hear that, like, they, they got what was coming to them, you know, or like their comeuppance or something. And I always thought I, I would, and I always want that for other people when I hear their stories, but for myself, I'm just like, I really don't need it. It's very strange. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just like, I would think I would be the type of person who would need that, but I'm like, no, there's, it's so much harder. The work is really in how I deal with it, how it affects my marriage, how it affects my friendships, how it affects my relationships with my parents. There's a lot of work to be done there. And I just feel like my focus is on that. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, yeah. why, why waste your energy on thing you can? Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, not like you need my... <laughs> justification. Oh yeah, you're handling this right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'll take your stamp of approval. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, and we didn't even talk about your next book, but what, what are you working on now? What are you excited about? Are you, yeah. I know you wrote another screenplay that I yeah. mean, like all over the place this is amazing. Yeah. There's tons of stuff going on, which is really exciting. So I just turned in, uh, so I wrote a second book, The Favorite Sister, which came out in 2018. That has been set up for a TV show with made up stories, which is Bruna Papandrea's production company. And also was the producer on Luckiest Girl Alive. And now actually Mila Kunis and her producing partner, Lisa Sturbakov, have come on as producers for that as well, because we had such a great time making the film together last summer. And then I just turned in my third book like a couple weeks ago. And <laughs> yeah, I think that's going to come out in September, 2023. So that's really exciting. I wrote an original script that I sold to Amazon. We have a great director attached to that, Nisha Ganatra. We're in the casting process now. And right now, the thing I'm working on is I'm adapting a viral Reddit thread huh. called My Mother-in-Law Was Trying to Poison Me, But Then I Found Out Why. It is <laughs> so much fun. I'm adapting it into a feature-length film for Sony. Everyone should just go read this, this Reddit <laughs> story. It's amazing. It's like I read so many thrillers and so many things that have twists and turns and whatever. So I feel like I'm always like, yeah, I saw that coming. I did not see this one coming. It's really fun. Go read it. It subverts, subverts some really kind of sexist mother-in-law tropes, which I love. Yep. So it's going to be a really fun one. I'm having a lot of fun working on it. Oh my gosh. And yeah. you're one of like the screenwriters to watch, right? That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Variety last year, they do like the 10 screenwriters to watch. And so I was one of those last year, which was such an honor. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I'm watching you. You have both. <laughs> <Yeah>. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Well, 
Jessica, this has been so fun. I wish we had more time. I had so many more questions I wanted to ask you. And I haven't seen the film yet, but I am so excited to do so this weekend. That is my plan. Nice and chilly here on the coast. And I can't (laughs) wait. So when I see you next, we can discuss. But anyway, thank you for coming on. and, And I know you said it's not brave or whatever, but... It's important. And so it's very well respected and bravo for me for what it's worth. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Zibby. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a great day. You too. All right. Hope to see you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods, for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.